Oliver Wendell Holmes is famously quoted as saying, some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. Is that true? Well, apparently in my life, it is proven to be true. I'm going to be sharing on this podcast a little bit of my journey about, I guess, over-rotating on God. You have to stay tuned to hear about it. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Hey everybody, it's been a little bit since I've done a show, so welcome back. And if you're new, welcome to Kindling Fire. Uh, so one of the things I want to come right out of the gate and say is, I am a grandpa. That's right, I'm a grandpa. My oldest daughter and son-in-law, Rain and Trent, has had our first grandchild. His name is Coda, uh, which stands for uh, bear in the uh, Dakota Sioux language, and it also means ally or friend. So I like to call him Little Bear, and uh, just so excited. Uh, the baby's healthy, they're healthy. Uh, that's happened within the last couple weeks. And uh, it's just a major, major event uh, for the Mangum family, and we're just couldn't be couldn't be happier. And uh, funny little story. I thought I was uh, my wife's going to be called Grand Cat. Her name is is Kathy. Her nickname is Cat. And uh, and I thought I would be clever, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be like Papa T. So it'd be like Papa T and Grand Cat. Well, as soon as I held Coda, I said, screw that. I'm Grandpa. And I had a, a really special grandpa in my life. And even though it sounds super old, I don't really care. <laughs> so that that's kind of how that goes. And so, yeah, I'm grandpa. And uh, Coda is just such a wonderful gift to the Mangums and the Beagans, Coda Beagans specifically, uh, to Rain and Trent. And um, man, couldn't be happier. So, uh, so as I said in the intro, uh, you know, that great quote, some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Um, you know, can that be true? Well, man, I'm going to tell you, uh, right now, based on kind of where I am in my life and, and, you know, I'm always on this quest with God, you know, trying to learn more, grow more, grow closer, kind of find out that, that narrow path. And, uh, I, maybe I over-rotated. And so, uh, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. And, um, and you know how I got to this point, and it's a little bit weird. Uh, sometimes I come on shows and I really have an idea of what I want to do, and I want to offer you guys something or have a great conversation with somebody. And this one feels a little bit more um, vulnerable because I kind of don't know where this is going to go. But um, I'm a couple weeks into it. I thought I'd share the journey with you. And uh, w what are we talking about? What journey? So so let's get started with this. So, um, you know, recently I've been doing a lot of shows on Christian meditative prayer, um, you know, having psychologists on and, and, and really, you know, kind of dig, digging deep into, you know, the voice of God and, and uh, prayer practices and all the things that, you know, can kind of really settle 
settle a man into a routine with God that is going to benefit them and, and then they were going to grow. And, and I don't know if I'm maybe different from other men, but, but I kind of, I feel like I tend towards more of the contemplative and introspective side and kind of really dialed into my emotions and all that stuff. And, um, you know, then maybe the average guy, you know, out there that's just like, yeah, whatever. I just, you know, I'm doing the deal and try to integrate God somehow, you know, or as I'm like, you know, kind of digging deep wells in this space. And I honestly, I thought it was the right thing to do. In fact, uh, since really 2020, you know, I've, I've been, I've been cultivating this devotional practice and, and it, and really I, I cultivate it to such a degree that I would spend, uh, roughly one to three hours a day in the morning, somewhere between five and eight, six and nine, um, uh, in prayer, reading, uh, specifically Streams in the Devour devotional and or Jesus Calling devotional, reading one or more chapters in the Bible, quote, asking God to give me a, a chapter to read and then studying that chapter. Uh, I was introduced to the Cageless Birds and, and that whole ministry, um, uh, what do they call something for the heart? Well, anyway, uh, place for the heart. Uh, Ken and uh, Ken and uh, Linda Helser and and they got introduced this idea of like journaling the voice of God and and I used a feeling wheel. They really identify how I was feeling and kind of and then kind of giving you know praying that out and then giving God an opportunity to kind of speak to those feelings. Um, you know, I use the pause app. You guys have heard that quite a bit uh, about you know sort of like this meditative practice of of a benevolent detachment, I think elders calls it, and this idea that you're just letting go of everything, uh, you're just really just letting everything go, uh, and sort of emptying yourself, if you will, which sounds very Buddhist, but that's kind of what you kind of do in that practice. And then I just would be journaling, you know, working out my thoughts and things I was learning in the Bible or how I was feeling. Um, so let me tell you, so that just sounds, woo, super spiritual. Well, what, is I, what was I not doing? You know, what was, you know, you don't spend one to three hours in the morning doing that at, you know, what was I not doing? Uh, was not exercising. Um, I've been trying to write a second book. I was not writing. Uh, you know, was not interacting with my wife in the morning. I wasn't really doing anything with the kids. We have two dogs now. I wasn't doing anything to help with the dogs. I wasn't doing the dishes. I wasn't, I was very much heavenly minded. And what started to happen is this, this started to really create um, contention, a bone of contention uh, with my wife and I, because she's just like, what are you doing up there, you know, for so long? And, and the fruit of it, well, let's talk about the fruit of it for a minute. So, um, you know, I, I follow a couple of people. I really uh, respect their voice. I respect their experience. I express their process. And one of those people is uh, Erwin McManus. And I was listening to one of their podcasts recently about them changing the name and justifying it that they'll probably call it the McManus podcast or whatever. And that's that's neither here nor there. But there was this really powerful moment in the conversation with him and his son where he talked about um, ayahuasca and doing hallucinogens as well as being charismatic. And, uh, and he basically likened them together. And, uh, you know, I'm like super charismatic. I love experiences, love prophecy, or I did. 
Um, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, you know, love the supernatural, love the quote experience. And, you know, I came to, you know, if you read my book, you know that I came to Christ uh, through LSD and, um, and through a hallucinogenity experience is actually how I came to faith. So, um, so anyway, he, he talks about enveloping yourself in a spiritual experience, be it ayahuasca with drugs, a kind of a counterfeit, or be it charismatics in sort of some sort of powerful meeting or some sort of like prophetic word or, or something like that. And he said, when you lose the mastery of, uh, of your will in those experiences, you lose uh, the power to choose. You lose the, the uh, agency of choice, which is a divine thing that God has given us. And I think one of the things that I was starting to, uh, again, it's early stage, but what I'm seeing is that I'm starting to, I was in my quote, quiet times. And again, I grew up with Camp School Safe for Christ, a crew, you know, quiet times are fundamental, right? Pray, read the Bible, pray through the list of people, uh, pray for the lost, pray for your family, pray for all these things. Um, you know, do it in a devotional way, do it in a concentrated way, do it secret. Now, and again, the Bible talks about going to your prayer closet and shutting the door and stuff. So I'm, I'm working this out. And I mean, per, certainly loved, well, you haven't heard what, what <laughs> you haven't heard my, um, you haven't heard my kind of where I'm at now. Um, so, so let me keep going. Uh, so uh, one of the ways that you change it is not experience, be it charismatic and or uh, ayahuasca uh, or uh, with hallucinogens, um, it's not experiences that change you. It's only, it's only choices. And uh, experiences give you an opportunity to change, but choices are the real thing that changes you. So if that sounds amazing, uh, credit Erwin McManus, uh, such a great thinker and, and processor of life and what's going on in, in the gospel and everything like that. And, and man, I tell you what, he, here's the thing that I was starting to, to see personally. Well, first off, the fruit, when I talked about all the things that we're not doing, well, when I quote, um, I don't even know how to put it. When I uh, live in, an, in a bubble of my head, in a spiritual bubble, and I don't interact with my wife or my kids or the dogs or the house or the dishes or whatever, like am I truly being spiritual? Now, I may feel the experience of being spiritual, but is actually, am I? You know, James is very much, you know, quoted as saying, I'll show you my faith by what I do. And, uh, and I was kind of showing, you know, and I was doing nothing. But I was praying a lot and I was reading the Bible a lot and I was hearing the voice of God a lot. And I was doing all the things, and I was kind of having an experience, or I'd feel like I'd have an experience. Of course, I was drinking coffee, so that could have fueled that. But the, uh, so that was sort of the, 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 my interpersonal world and the things that I'm responsible for and accountable for. I was just kind of let, let go. And so I'd just kind of go from that meditative state into a job that I just, you know, <laughs> you know just, I, I don't want to get on my job. Uh, but it's, it's not super fun. So, um, one of the things that I started to notice internally, now I've been doing this for well over three years, is a massive insecurity and a massive self-doubt and a loss of an ability to know how to make any decisions without, quote, checking in with God to, to discern his voice or direction. Um, 
you know what that ended up the the other fruit of this practice that I was doing? I became a shell of myself. I deconstructed my personality down to such a degree to where I was literally like insecure about I mean this is overstated, but insecure about what shoes I was going to wear or or like what direction I was going to go hour to hour, checking in with the God hour to hour. Um, and, and so, yeah. <laughs> so I called this podcast uh, Looking for God in the External World. Uh, so in the last few weeks, I have pretty much stopped all Bible study. I have stopped quiet times. I uh, have stopped desiring to hear the voice of God right now. I don't want to hear the voice of God. Um, I've stopped long praying. I've stopped this hours of meditation in the morning. Um, I've stopped using the pause app. Um, I've stopped quiet times altogether and I've stopped journaling. Oh, that sounds like it's a dangerous place. Eh, maybe. Uh, why? Why did I, why did I make this decision? I got, uh, again, I've talked about this being a bona condition with my wife and I, because she lives with me. You know, she, she lives day in, day out with me. And she was just like, what is going on? Something is not right. And so we got into this massive, like, um, disagreement. And, uh, and, and at the end of it, I came to this realization. It's like, this isn't working. Like, I've literally been doing this for years. I feel like I've deconstructed my personality. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing anymore. I don't know what direction to go. I'm always seeking spiritual interactions with God to know the, uh, of the simplest things. And honestly, it made me excessively angry. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this. And so what did I do? I decided that I would go work out. So I don't pray anymore in the morning. I go work out. Now, in this process uh, with me and God, I'm good with God. God's, I think, good with me. I love him. He loves me. But somehow, the way that I interacted with God had kind of screwed up uh, my, I don't know. The, certainly, it. I got so enveloped in the experience that I lost the agency of my will. Like, I, I stopped having the ability to make decisions. And so everything, even though I sounded super spiritual and, and probably have through the years, <laughs> whatever I pat myself on the back that's you know just you out uh, maybe I'll edit that part out um the fruit of it was I I became somebody that could not function I, I function in my family function at work um you know I uh, I, I just I honestly I I I am in counseling uh, I am in therapy through uh, this last year uh probably want to talk to my counselor about it but it's just like Something something was awry in this one to three hours of time that I was spending, quote-unquote, with God, and quote-unquote, hearing the voice of God, which, quote-unquote, I may not been, to be quite honest. Well, here, here's, here's the thing that sealed the deal for me. So, so I made the decision, screw this. Honestly, just, just screw it. I'm going to go work out. I'm, I've gained weight. I'm, I, I'm t- exhausted all the time. I'm completely insecure in in my personality. I've lost all self-confidence. I've lost confidence altogether. I'm constantly checking in with God. I am a freaking wreck. And I'm angry about it and I'm done with it. Now, again, me and God are good. 
I think that we have a strong enough relationship to where if I want to be distant for a while, we're good. I don't feel like I'm on, oh no, some awful things are going to happen. Nope. Nope. I'm working it out. I'm wor- He and I are working it out. And right now, I'm not interested in doing what I used to do because the fruit of it sucked. All right. Here's the thing that sealed the deal. So right after I made this decision and I just said, you know, I'm just going to go work out in the morning and uh, whatever. Um, the uh, I was listening to an audiobook, Screw Tape Letters, and this man, this is this just really, this really sealed the deal. So the very first temptation, so the concept of screw tip letters is there's an elder demon and a junior demon, and they have a guy in their sights that they're tempting and trying to sway and trying to win over to Satan and win away from God, and you know that's the whole concept. Well, this guy in the book has a relate has a elderly mother who is sick and needs you know care taken care of, and there's some tensions between that guy and the mom and and you know C.S. Lewis is so brilliant my gosh if I could ever write even in like one percent of how well he writes man would I be a happy man but anyway so I'm listening to the audio version of this book and then this this is what he's talking about basically uh the main character I think is Wormwood or screw tape, I can't remember. But the jun- the senior devil is giving the junior devil some advice, and he's saying, hey, in this relationship between him and his mom that already is kind of fraught with a little bit of tension, do this. And so here's, I'm just going to read it right out of the book. It says, continue daily uh, pinpricks and daily annoyances between him and his mother. The following methods are very useful. Uh, number one, keep his mind on the inner life. He thinks his conversion is inside him. So his chief attention is at present turned to his own mind. Encourage this. Encourage, I'll just reiterate, encourage this inward turning into his own thoughts and minds and feelings and calling it spiritual. Um, now back to the book. Keep his mind off of the most uh, basic elementary duties and on the most advanced and spiritual duties, aggravate the human characteristic of the neglect of the obvious. Bring him to a condition where he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about himself that are so perfectly clear to anyone that has ever lived in the same house with him or has worked with him. Chapter 3, Screwtape Letters. This is the very first temptation he says to do. Man, when I read that, I was like, it just made me even more angry. Because I, I, um, this is my life, right? So as I spend one to three hours in self-reflection and in intention to God and in all these things, the obvious that is very obvious to my wife and my children who live with me, I am completely missing. And then the idea of keep his mind off of most basic elementary duties, doing the dishes, mowing the grass, taking care of the house, walking the dogs, you know, all the things of life that I just was in this bubble in my heart and my head uh, just constantly. Now, I call this podcast evidence looking for God in the external world. 
I basically came up my mind and said, I'm done. I'm done hearing from God. I'm done feeling experiential experiences. I am for now. And, um, and I am, um, uh, uh, looking for God in the external world. I want to see evidence of God completely outside of my bubble, outside of my thoughts and outside of my emotions. Basically, that's what I was looking for. So I'm going to give you five evidences that I've seen since I've started this in the last few weeks. Number one, uh, my mom got put into the hospital. She had a, um, she got sick. Uh, that's actually quite a big deal because she is the uh, elder caregiver of my elder father, who um, has uh, late, uh, you know, is digressing mentally uh, to the point where he needs a lot of care and a lot of oversight and 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 somebody constantly with him. Um, and so she got sick. And so while we're in the hospital, she's just being Miss Chatty, and it, she got better, and it was all fine. Uh, but in the hospital, she was like, you know what? I just th- I'm going to pray to God that I get out of this hospital. And the way things were going circumstantially, I was like, you know what? That's not going to happen. And so that's I basically told her that. I said, don't get your hopes up. That's not going to happen. It's late in the day. The doctors do this and that and the other, and you're not going to get a break. And she's like, well, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have my friends pray. And so guess what? Her prayers got answered. And as far as I was concerned, I was like, that ain't going to happen. Like, I had no faith for that, and I'm not praying that. Well, that was evidence for me. I was like, okay, well, God answered her prayer, even though I was completely out of faith. Here's another one. Um, I have uh, transitioned in the last, I think I've mentioned this, but I've transitioned to, to be the president of Caleb Would Go, which is a mission-sending organization, and we do missions fundraisers through surf contest and skateboard contest and art contest and these this great event. We raise all this money and we give it all to radical people uh, like Caleb Bell, who passed away, who was a missionary friend of mine when we were missionaries with YWAM. Anyway, you can, if you want to hear more about that, there's a, a show called Introduction to Caleb Would Go and you hear all about it. And we actually have a new event, uh, an, uh, another uh, event called Shakanar. Uh, uh, happening in June, so maybe you'll hear about that in, the, in future podcasts. All right, side note. Um, so uh, we applied for for nonprofit status with the federal government. They told us it would take six months. Now our events in June, and we don't have six months, and we want donors and all this other stuff. Well, the short of it is, they, the federal government came back and gave us our five hundred one three C within two weeks. That is a freaking miracle. When they told us it would take six months and the federal government does something in two weeks, you know it's God. So that's another evidence. Another evidence is that uh, when my wife was waiting for the baby to be born down with my daughter down in Florida, um, the, my daughter lives in a, an apartment and they have like a little, little waterway that runs in front of it. Well, basically, um, one of the long-standing things about my wife is that she has a relationship with otters. Uh, I don't can't explain it. She's a lot of a bit of a Mrs. Doolittle, but the short of it is she loves otters. Otters are very special to her, and uh, yeah. So anyway, so so she's just sitting down there, and an otter, a little otter, comes and swims right in front of her uh, out on the balcony. <laughs> my 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 son in law and my daughter have never seen an otter before in their life, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God loves my wife. There's a freaking otter swimming in front of her, you know, playing around and doing all its otter business. Um, so, so that was to me like, okay, that's evidence of God. Rain's uh, baby pregnancy and delivery was freaking perfect. 
Coda came. It couldn't have been more perfect. No complications, no sad stories. You know, it was just blessed end to end. Uh, it happened according to prayer right before my wife left and all this stuff. And I, you know, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't apply any faith to that. And it just happened. Another evidence. Last thing I'll say from evidence of looking for God in the external world is robins. Uh, one of the things that American robins, actually, the little bird. Um, so one of the things that you may have read in my book is that um, I have a long history with God and robins. Uh, I'll give you the really quick in it uh, from the book. is basically I grew up in an extremely physically abusive house. Uh, when my father would start raging against my mom, it was just constantly turmoil, ter- terror and turmoil, and I would leave the house. And I would go leave the house, and I would go into the front yard when I was a young boy, and I would, like, kick the soccer ball around or whatever, but I was just trying to get away from him and get away from the horror that was inside of the home and my home in general. And um, and these little robins would always come and hang out with me while I was playing soccer, and I would always feel very peaceful. Well, fast forward until I get saved. So that was probably eight, seven, eight, nine kind of years old. Fast forward when I get saved at 19, I'm learning how to, quote, have a quiet time, which I guess I'm talking about leaving now. Uh, but anyway, I was learning how to read the Bible and pray uh, as a 19-year-old. And I would sit and do that on, by a tree out in the woods. And a robin, an American robin, would always sit on a branch next to me. Um, uh, American Robin showed up when we decided that we were going to, uh, when I finally made the, the, the decision that I would quit my, my job, put everything at risk, our kids' college, our house, our money, everything, quit everything, and go become missionaries with youth with a mission, a little Robin was sitting right in front of the tree when I made that final decision. Um, so guess what? I, so in these last three weeks when I've been like, God, I don't want to talk to you anymore, uh, and I don't want to hear from you, uh, but... Yeah, that's how it's been. Uh, I've been seeing robins everywhere, and I'm just like, okay, I get you. So, so where have I, where have I landed right now? I basically landed that I will listen to the Bible, list a couple chapters of the Bible on my way back from the gym. I'm not studying it. I'm not seeking God's voice about it. I didn't seek His voice about what to read. I'm just reading the Bible, and it, yeah, it's good. And um, and so the last thing I'll say about all this is that so there's kind of like. I'm just going to say it. Uh, there's two camps of Christianity. There's sort of the the principal camp. I'm intelligent. I can read the Bible. If it says go left, I go left. And I don't need the voice of God and I don't need a prophecy and I don't need any experience. I can just take my will, apply it to God's word and do the thing. And, uh, you know, there's many denominations that kind of do this. Then there's the, you know, mostly my world, this Holy Spirit world, right? Which is sort of like, you know, uh, you know, it looked like, you know, me asking God where to read the Bible instead of just making a decision where to read the Bible. It looked like um, what, what hoping, just waiting that some, uh, you know, charismatic fortune teller would bump into me and say, thus saith the Lord, here's all this clarity you want and some great reward you're going to get and blah, blah, blah. And so always, and then, or I was at this, you know, at this worship event and I was having this moment and I was crying. And then God said to me, thus, Troy, go somewhere. Like I've looked for that all my life, right? So these are two camps and I've definitely been in the, you know, looking for experience camp. But the thing that is so atrophied in my life is I have agency of will. 
I have I have the ability to make choices that could lead to change in my life. I have the Bible and the principles that are shown in the Bible. And I'm kind of like, why don't I just practice doing that and stop looking for experiences? Sure. Am I over-rotating? Probably. Am I maybe in a dangerous place with God? Yeah, maybe. So that's where that's what's up. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Uh, I've always tried to be honest with you guys. Uh, this is about as raw and honest as I uh, can get on this, telling you that me and God are on the outs. But we're not really. I mean, I love him. He loves me. But man, like I'm working it out right now. And that's the truth. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, you want to have any interaction with this? You ever felt this way before? You ever got to this point before? You know, you can reach out to me uh, on Instagram, uh, Troy underscore underscore Mangum, or just search the Kindling Fire and, and I'll interact with you uh, if you want to have that chat. And I think that's out. I think that's I'm done. And uh, so, as always, be awesome. Appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for coming along the journey. And uh, I'll I'll let you know how this goes. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.